0: I'm so excited to be nominated. It's just an honor to be nominated. Honored to be nominated. Hi, I'm Claudia. Hi, I'm Chandler.
1: And I'm Ezra, and you're listening to Honored to be Nominated, a new podcast discussing every film that's ever been nominated for an Academy Award. Today we're discussing Spike Lee's 1989 classic, Do the Right Thing, Kick off our Black History Month miniseries. Uh, this film uh, was only nominated for two Oscars: Best Supporting Actor for the one of the only white actors in the film. We'll talk about it, and uh, Best Original Screenplay. Uh, it lost both, um, quite controversially, to Driving Miss Daisy, uh, which was the big uh, winner that that year. It did not, it did not, you lose Best Original Screenplay to Driving Miss Daisy, but that was the overall winner of the night. I mean, what's it all about? Um, Do the Right Thing for those of you who haven't seen it. um, It's sort of a day in the life of this Brooklyn uh, neighborhood. Uh, We kind of follow Mookie, played by Spike Lee, uh, who is a a black man uh, who works at a uh, uh, pizza shop that is owned and operated by these Italian Americans in this largely black and brown neighborhood of Brooklyn. Uh, and then things sort of escalate from there. It's about uh, class. It's about income. It's about gentrification, race, and eventually police violence. Uh, Chandler, you had never seen this film before. What did you think?
0: Uh, I had not ever seen this film before. Um, I really, really loved this film. I really think it's, um, of the Spike Lee films that I've seen, I think it's my favorite. Um I think it's really, really, really well done. I think the cinematography is incredible. The fact that the cinematography wasn't nominated, uh, I think, is a war crime and a hate crime. I think the direction is really, really incredible, and I think the fact that Spike Lee wasn't didn't win an Oscar for directing, I think, is a hate crime. Um, I really think this film is is incredible. I think it's really well done. Um, yeah, I think it, the fact that it wasn't snubbed for Oscars to me is is literally the only explanation to that is racism. Like I, I. Would we'll believe nothing else because this film was incredible.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. This was my first time seeing it as well. Um, I also haven't seen a lot of Spike Lee films. I think Chandler and I have seen the same three, maybe. Actually, I've only seen two because I haven't seen *The Five Bloods* yet, but it's on my list. A really great film. I agree. the The cinematography and the direction are the standouts for me. I really like how it's sort of portrayed as this, like, fun movie, just about, like, this neighborhood and, you know, a day in the life, like you said, Ezra, until it's not. And it just takes, like, that big drastic shift uh, towards the end. And it's it's it was really jarring for me because I really didn't expect it for it to go down that road. Um. And I was enjoying like the the joy and the happiness for so much of the movie. And then, you know, to take that quick turn, it's like, woof, like it's hard for I, I find it difficult to speak to as a white woman, but that is something that the black community has to, you know, face every single day. It's it's it doesn't always just get to be like a full day of joy. Like, so I don't know, I I think this the film was really well done. Um I enjoyed watching it and I think I think I learned a lot more about Spike Lee's styles from this film more so than Malcolm X in my opinion. What about you Ezra? Uh,
1: So I had also never seen this film before Um, and I'm a big Spike Lee fan. I uh, in preparation for this episode decided to go back and watch a couple of uh, the big Spike Lee films I'd never seen. I'm kind of leading up to that which I think kind of shot me in the foot for this one a little bit because the night before Uh, I watched Do the Right Thing, I watched Bamboozled, um, which is a Spike Lee film from 2000 that I think is one of the greatest American films ever made uh, and really I thought was like daring and controversial and like a deep sort of like full-on attack against the white media landscape. Uh, And then watching Do the Right Thing after that, I think it's quite obviously the work of a less developed artist. Um, and I I found the sort of political commentary of Duthor, I think, to kind of be a little, I don't want to say pedestrian, but I think it's, especially in 2021, something that we've seen a lot of, where it kind of felt like, man, gentrification's bad and the, poli- and the NYPD is racist. And it's like, well, yeah, versus like, and again, not to keep comparing it to Bamboozled, but Bamboozled is very much like, because uh, the, have you guys seen Bamboozled? I assume you have not. Um, so it is a, it is a <laughs> film from known. 2000 that is shot unlike any other film I've ever seen uh, that is about a black uh, TV network executive who to boost ratings puts a minstrel show on TV complete with blackface. Um, and it is one of the most daring films I've ever seen because Spike shoots all of the uh, normal scenes with this like super grainy camera but then shoots all of the minstrel she- uh, show scenes in like full on technicolor so they look way better. And they like fully like do the minstrel, like half the movie is a minstrel show. And it's like almost daring you to be like, do you find this entertaining? How do you feel about this? And it's like a really bold. And then it's like the whole point is that like white culture wants black culture, but not black people. And then it also essentially argues that a lot of uh, black artists are essentially wearing blackface currently uh, just as a way of sort of falling in so they can be successful in the white media landscape, uh, which I thought was just like such a light shocking and like it really made me think and really made me reflect on the media that i enjoy versus do the right thing i was like yeah
2: can i jump in really fast on that i think i think what you're saying makes sense i mean i like we like we've established i haven't seen bamboozled but it makes sense that do the right thing you're saying is spike is like a, a yet lesser artist i think that's that's going to be taken in the wrong way, but like, you know, younger, he it was, that
0: was 11 years movie. later.
2: Yeah. And I think, um, what you're saying about like the blackface and the, the minstrel shows, you can also kind of see that a little bit and do the right thing, just on a much subtler level, how the Italian American family with Sal and his two sons, uh, Pino and Vito, which sounds like a cartoon, but sure. Um, how they're like, you know, they're they have their business in a black and brown community, but they don't like the community people there. So they and they then there's the whole scene where Mookie and Pino have the conversation about his favorite, like black artists. And he's like, oh, well, they're not really black. And it's like, do you hear what you're saying? So I think (laughs) it don't that makes sense that like Bamboozled is a better and more daring movie than Do the Right Thing. the right thing was just kind of laying that groundwork
1: no totally i totally agree and i but and i also think that a i think it's like very possible that if i watched uh this movie in a different time of my life i would feel differently um especially because i felt like and i hate to use this word but i found it kind of boring where i was like there are just so many characters i can't keep them straight i don't care about any of them all the characters felt kind of like cartoon sketches to me in a way that i feel like if i had watched it in a different time when i was like you know going through something else i might have have felt differently but i really also think that age hasn't helped this movie because i think hopefully in 2021 we all kind of are woke to the fact of that like gentrification bad cops also bad uh in a way that it feels sort of less in a way that it almost feels like and i don't think this was spike lee's intention at all but it almost feels like a little bit of a cartoon of itself when like oh yes now of course the cops come in and and kill a black man because it's like it feels very like that movie by numbers and i think it feels that movie by numbers because those movies are copying do the right thing uh and so like it's not necessarily a knock on the movie it's just like i feel like i've seen it before because i've seen so many pale imitations of it that it feels less original and so it feels less explosive and i think the best spike lee films even though
2: this was really the original
1: it felt sure. a lot like how you guys feel about the exorcist. Is kind of how I felt watching okay. it.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that this is like a daring movie or like taking massive risks. Other than the, the cinematography, maybe, because that like was that felt very different to me, especially for this time. But as far as you, I I can see where you're coming from, Ezra. I don't agree. Like I don't, I didn't find the movie boring, but I I can see how it it feels like you know, this is the formula for this type of movie.
0: Hmm. I don't feel that way. I I I and I don't <laughs> actually. Well, because like like you said, this was, I mean, this is 1989. This is the the front runner to those movies that you're talking about. And so I don't think it feels very formulaic at all. I think it feels very, like, sort of inventive. Um, maybe I was just in the, the, the headspace I needed to be to watch this film. Um, but also, like, it, it, it is interesting to me to, to, to watch this movie about gentrification and knowing this area of Brooklyn and going to this area of Brooklyn now that is heavily gentrified. That you go yeah. to this, this area of Brooklyn now and there's not black and brown people. There's just a bunch of white hipsters. Yep. So I mean I think it does have I think it does still have a lot of weight in that regard because a lot of the things that this movie was juggling with sort of comes true and so to go yeah, back and I, watch I agree with that Chandler yeah to, so to go back and watch what New York was and what New York could have been um, I guess not could have been as a bad but like what New York used to be and and the this this community uh, and this neighborhood that used to be there. And then to see it now being commercialized with the Whole Foods and, a, and you know, whatever else is there, I think it, it feels, resonates really loud. At least it did with me. Like, I it just felt very much like, wow, New York has changed. Uh, and not necessarily for the better. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, I guess it's that, like, I hear what you're saying, Chandler. I guess for me is that, like, coming... I think my sort of journey with Spike Lee as a filmmaker has been kind of backwards where I watched a lot of his more recent films first and I think his most recent films the ones I really love are all made and shot in this like incredibly like explosive way where like I remember like watching like Chirac or Bamboozled or even like Inside Man I'm like nobody moves a camera like Spike Lee. No one has ever moved a camera this way before.
0: Do you not see that and, and do the right thing? I've never seen a movie shot like this.
1: I've so, I, th- I thought there were, like, two shots that I was like, oh, that's cool, and the rest of it I was like, oh, yeah, this is kind of what I expected.
0: Wow. Interesting. Because I feel the exact opposite. I was I was very, very moved by the cinematography. I've never seen a, a, a movie shot like this before.
2: But again, Ezra has seen, like, yeah. like you said, lots of the recent things, so, like, but I this saw- will feel
0: but five bloods uh, five bloods spike lee's most recent film I, I don't even think it was shot like this like i don't think it has the level of of inventive cinematography that was used in do the right thing
1: i mean i guess i just i mean like i would agree about the five bloods but i would say about like what five bloods does and i think all of his more recent films do that i really like that i just like wasn't really technologically possible is really sort of play with form and so i find like the way that the five bloods will switch in like archival footage really powerful and really interesting in a way that i like and a lot in the way that a lot of, of spike lee's films do of like mixed documentary footage and uh fictional footage in a way that like i thought was missing from this and again it's like not really like a criticism per se is that like you know i it felt like you know falling in love with van gogh's you know, sunflowers and going back and looking at some of his earlier sketches. And you're like, yeah, these are good. And I understand why you would be like, oh my God, this sketch is incredible. But I'm like, but I want the sunflowers. I want all the colors. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Sure. I, and that, that is interesting about the documentary footage. I didn't realize that that was like one of Spike's tropes because, and I... Like I said, the only other Spike Lee film I've seen is Malcolm X, and I just assumed that in Malcolm X there was documentary footage because that's like historical and would make sense. But that's that's really cool that that's like his. <laughs> can we talk about the one white actor who was nominated? Who does
1: kill it. I think we do need to be clear he does kill it.
2: I can I. He's not the strongest. He's absolutely white actor not. For me. John Totoro nomi- was
1: robbed. He's he know, the older right? racist brother.
2: Yeah, he like, he was... Where's his nomination? Because if you're gonna... I mean, like, if if the Academy is racist, that they can only nominate the white actors, to me, the dad was not the strongest choice. I mean, not none of the white actors were the strongest choice for me, period. But not the dad.
1: What's I do kind how? of think John Turturro is the best performance in the movie, though. I think he's, like, unreal, and he's, like... You, you both get why Spike Lee's character isn't threatened by him, but also get why he is, in fact, a threat. And so then at the end, when suddenly you, mm. he, like, causes essentially a murder, you're like, yeah, we kind of saw this coming, but you also get... And it's just, like, unhinged and, like, both pathetic and terrifying the way that, like, white supremacists are. But you're like, you're such a piece of shit. You really think you're so much better than all these black people, but also, like... But you're also, like, a white man with power, and that's very scary.
0: See, I kind of think... Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I actually think Spike Lee is the best performance in this movie. I actually really, That's really... Crazy. I really liked M- Mookie. I-, I think his performance as Mookie is incredibly grounded, and uh, I don't know. I, I think... I absolutely am uh, outraged that he was not nominated for an Oscar for his performance. I think he's really, really good.
2: That's so funny. I was like, Spike Lee can do everything, but he's a weaker actor.
0: Oh, I thought... I was
2: like, his acting is like... Eh, it's like oh, it's fine for me
0: well see I, but like he he does this thing with the character where the character is so um apathetic to everything and it's just it's just it's just so interesting to watch where every everyone else is very heightened and Mookie is kind of like subdued I think it's kind of brilliant I think it's an awesome way to see through our like main character's eyes where everything else around him is so heightened and he's so sort of subdued and apathetic. I think it's brilliant.
1: Well, brilliant. and I guess, Chandler, and I agree with you that I think it is a choice. It's a choice that didn't really work for me because I was like, Agreed. this guy doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. Why well, should I give a shit about anything? And then I wonder, like, if, the, if it had been an actor who I think was making a little bit m- a few more choices, I'd be like, okay. But versus I just was like, so if he's just kind of skating through life and I totally agree that it is a conscious choice and so i do have to respect it but it didn't fully work for me because i was like can we can someone give a fuck about this movie so i have something to latch on to
2: yeah i agree ezra um where it just felt like he was just like going through the motions and i was like don't you care about anything
0: but that's the point Um, i think that's brilliant i think because what does his character have it didn't work for me what does his character have to think care about? He is a he is a black man living in Brooklyn, working at a pizza joint. His life doesn't have a lot of of future. I mean, I like.
2: He has a son.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I like, he
2: should invest in.
0: But then he just watched his good friend get murdered by the cops in the street. Like, I mean, there's not like, there's not a lot of hope there. And I think that's kind of a brilliant choice for a, a black man living in Brooklyn in New York in the eighties. Like, I think that's kind of pretty pretty wise like what you know like you know i'm just i mean going through the motions my what else is, do i have
2: my opinion is i don't want to see just an average joe Smo taking life's punches and be like wow this fucking sucks but i gotta keep taking it when i watch movies i want to see people like make changes because that's what's you know inspiring and hopeful and but like, some, sometimes you inspire, don't get that inspire people to do that
0: but you can get that as a white person because you live in a country that that white people can have all those aspirations and achieve all those things. But sometimes you don't get that. Sometimes in life that's not, like, you don't have the ability to have all those aspirations and those goals and achieve those things.
2: Sure, and that's why when Spike Lee's character threw the, the trash can, I was like, finally.
0: Yeah, but I think that's, like, that's, I think that's I, why that, that moment is so well earned. I think that's why that moment is so well earned. Because I think we...
1: I, I do think... If we had had so like Giancarlo Esposito, who is most oh of my god,
2: death- he killed it.
0: Yeah,
1: is amazing. Very I wonder go. if he had been mo- Mookie, if he had been able to imbue it with a little bit more, because like Spike Lee is not an actor, like he's just not, and like yeah. he would say he's not. That's why he like doesn't act anymore, which is fine. Yeah. Like, um, but I I wonder if we had had someone who had a little bit more craft who had been able to like make it a little bit more, because it it often to me felt like Spike Lee just wasn't making choices instead of making the choice to be apathetic, which I think is like one of the hardest things to act, and I wonder if we'd put like Giancarlo Esposito in that role and left the screenplay exactly as is, if we could have been seeing the sort of like undercurrent of rage, where almost Spike Lee's a little too cool, Yeah, he's a little bit like, he almost like lets things roll off of him a little too much, and so that when he finally, which is interesting because then when he throws the trash can, you're like, Oh, so he has been full of fucking rage this whole time, as he should be, right? Like, And so it is in in some ways interesting to see this guy just take all these microaggressions and macroaggressions and then finally snap. But I wonder if we had an actor who had a little bit more juice, for lack of a better word, we could have had that journey just a little bit clearer.
2: Yeah, because the moment where he like throws the money back at Sal felt too empty for me. I was like, I don't understand why he's doing this. Whereas I think if he had, I, cause I feel like he threw the trash can. So he was like on his climax and I was like, all right, let's keep riding this wave. Like let's, let's finish out strong. And then it kind of just like went back down again. Well,
0: but, but again, sometimes like, you don't get to finish strong. Sometimes life just keeps going.
1: But I would argue the screenplay does
0: give him a sort of climactic yeah, moment. Yeah. And he, he threw-
2: just didn't take it. And I didn't play it. He threw it away. In my uh, opinion.
0: I liked it. I like that. Like, I like that choice. I think that was kind of brilliant.
2: Sure.
1: I do want to talk about my favorite performance in the movie, which is uh, the actor who plays the mayor.
2: I was going to well. bring him up rules. as
1: well. Rules. Yeah. He's so good. I was like, why is he not the protagonist of this film? He's very good. What's yeah. his story? He's kind of in I some ways. I his,
0: loved his story. In some ways, it's he's the protagonist of his own mother, story. mother's sister. He's great. He's very very good in this. He also should have been nominated for an Oscar. An actor, I was about to say nominated for an actor. An actor. Uh, He absolutely should have been nominated for an Oscar. He is fantastic in this. He does really good work.
2: O.C. Davis is the name of the
1: actor.
0: Okay.
2: Has he done anything else? I'm sure he has. I think I've
0: seen him in something.
1: His uh, real life wife uh, played mother sister.
2: Ah, Oh, that's
0: cute, I
1: love that.
2: Were they married at the time? Mm
1: -hmm. I believe so. Oh,
2: that's sweet.
1: They got married in 1948 and only uh, stopped being married when she died in 2014.
2: Aww. That's beautiful. And they got to be in a movie together.
1: Sweet. Yes, it seems that he was like one of the great actors.
2: Aww. He's fantastic. I've never heard of his name, but good for
0: him. Yeah, he gives like almost a Shakespearean-esque performance in this. Like it's It's really riveting.
1: Like the monologue he has about like to like the young kind of punks yeah. who are like fucking yeah. with them, and he's like, "Have you ever done this?" And then like the other, the, the guy responds, and he's like, "No, I would never do that." And it's like, well, it's this interesting like, because like they're it's like the moments where Spike Lee allows both characters to be right are I think the best parts of the film.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's, I think that's where the the film shines is because I think that's kind of the the through line of the film is what is the right thing to do.
2: Totally.
1: Yeah, and there's kind of no answer.
0: Yeah, and I think that's like because because both yeah I think those those moments where he he does that a lot in this movie where both characters are are right, and both characters are allowed to be right because like what is what is right and what is wrong? It's the whole like the the end quote with the Malcolm X and the Martin Luther King thing about you know violence versus nonviolence and what is the what is the right thing to do in these situations of of um, mass oppression of, of of a group of people is like what what exactly is the method there what 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 are we called to do and what are we supposed to do what is the right thing to do i think that's that's what what to me is the best part about this film it's like what wh- well none of these people are right and all these people are right all together no
1: speaking of what is the right thing to do i do feel like it is important to sort of address i think the elephant in the room with this uh piece which is that uh rosie perez who plays um, Spike Lee's partner? Yes, alleges that the naked scene was not filmed consensually.
2: Oh no! Oh, I didn't know that.
1: She alleges that the reason you can't see her face in it is that she was crying too much because she felt so uncomfortable. Yikes!
0: That's not now, good. Now,
1: in fairness, she does say that the reason she felt uncomfortable, was she's was like, "Oh my god, my family will see this." So it seems as if she like agreed to it and then got cold feet after. So it's not like they just sprung it upon her but it's still tough and then also the sort of most important black feminist writer bell hooks uh, wrote a pretty severe critique of this film arguing that spike lee portrays black women the same way that white filmmakers portray black women um
0: oh that's not good
1: and i think with that and so i also i read both of that before i watched it which i think also could have tainted my watch of it because really the women in this film have nothing to do
2: yeah i mean the the her part or his partner um i forget her character's name but um is only exists to be the baby mama and yell at him for abandoning her her and her his child Hmm. um i think
0: that's fair yeah
2: the mother sister character only exists to be a romantic interest for the mayor um so yeah, that's a fair critique.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely a fair critique. It does kind of taint. I, I I haven't read, having known that now, Ezra, I understand why that has tainted your view of the film.
2: Yeah, Ezra, you gotta go into these blind and then yeah. research and read after. Read after. Yes. <laughs> like maybe.
0: It's it's like it's like how we were learned to analyze a play. You read the play first for enjoyment, and then you reread it later for the other stuff.
2: That's true that's true we we really all should we should be watching the movie twice before each record oh, that's but a lot of work Ain't nobody got time for that yeah,
0: whatever uh, if, if you're coming to our podcast for a deep dive intricate critiqued professional like review of these films just go to a different podcast like this is not what this is
1: uh that being said if any of you want to pay me for my critiques. Uh, My email is esbrain at gmail.com. I have very reasonable rates. Okay, I want to talk about my biggest piece of rage with this film. Okay, Oscars are racist. Clearly. We bend now. Clearly. But... Period. This... The song Fight the Power, which is one of the greatest American songs ever written, one of the most iconic and most important songs in any genre of the 20th century, was written for this film, is integral to this film and was not nominated for best original song.
2: Featured in this film like at least 5 times and it's so, so good. So
0: I didn't know this because Fight the Power is a very famous song. I mean it like if you know rap, you know that song. It was specifically written for this song. Like, Spike Lee commissioned that song to be written for this movie. Is that correct? Yep. That's wild. Yes. That's.
1: Well, and, it, and it's so interesting because, like, obviously I was a huge fan of, of Fight the Power before this. And, like, it's I've always known it as a response to Don't Worry, Be Happy, which is it was written partially as a sort of, like, this "Don't Worry, Be Happy" was the number one song in the country, and Public Enemy was like, "Fuck that, we should be worried." And so they wrote "Fight the Power." And that's uh, is one of the inspirations for it. But the uh, the second verse is uh, what it's about Elvis appearing on the uh, stamps because they had just uh, the U.S. Post Office had just issued a series of like American heroes postage stamps, and they were like Elvis and John Wayne, yeah. and, and then. Uh, public Enemy writes, most of my heroes don't don't appear on those stamps. Elvis was a hero to mo- most motherfuck him and John Wayne. They were straight up racist, which is like powerful on its own. But especially when you hear that verse in the film, it's right after Jean Carlos Esposito's characters. Like, why aren't there any black people yeah. on the wall? Yeah. And it's like, oh, shit, most of our he- most of their heroes don't appear on stamps, you know what I mean? And it's like the complete degradation of black culture at the same time. Which is like my favorite scene in the film we've already talked about it is when spike lee confronts john totoro the racist pizza owner and is like who's your favorite who's your favorite basketball player magic johnson who's your favorite uh actor eddie murphy who's your favorite uh musician prince what are they and he's like no no they're not n-words they're black but they're not n-words you know what i mean and it's like that whole thing about like an order for black people to be Uh, successful they have to just completely sort of like meld into the you know white white stuff i mean oj simpson famously said i'm not black i'm oj right and it's like that shit and then to hear that with one of the greatest american songs ever written as they talk about how most of his heroes didn't appear in the stance you're like how the fuck was this not nominated for best original song yeah that's wild
0: well the reason is because it is a rap song about about black power in the 80s. Like, of course they didn't nominate it. Because the Academy is racist. There's no other reason not to. They should at
2: least nominate it to, like, clear the air. Or at least, like, keep their aura mm-hmm. of being not racist for as long as possible. Because the movie is literally about... Like, the, the climax of the movie is... When a black man is murdered because he was playing his music in a white space. That's like the, the period, like the, the climax ending of the movie.
0: By the cops. Getting, and very timely, getting choked by the cops. Mm. That's yeah, true. That was tough to watch. That was very tough to watch. Tough. I gotta tell you, a little too real.
1: Uh, can I read you the nominees for best original song?
2: Please, please.
1: Kiss the girl from, from The Little Mermaid. Okay. Okay. No problem. I oh, love to the see you smile.
0: Wait, yeah, why? Oh, I, from
1: the, from the movie, oh the movie. no, no, no. We're getting there. Okay. We're getting there. Okay. I was say, not the best I lo- song
2: from The Little Mermaid. No.
1: I love to see you smile from Parenthood. Of course. The girl, the girl who used to be mine from everyone's favorite film, Shirley Valentine. Who doesn't know the film Shirley Valentine? Never heard of it. Uh after all, from Chances Are, and then the winner, Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. So not only do they not nominate Fight the Power, but they nominate two songs from The Little Mermaid, neither of which are part of your world.
2: Yeah. Strange. Why, yeah, why not part of your why world? Of your world?
1: <laughs> which is the best song from Little Mermaid.
2: I mean, Under the Sea is good, but, like, her I want song.
0: Yeah. Uh... I gotta say, having not heard all but two of those songs in those categories, uh, I gotta say, you should probably have nominated Fight the Power.
1: And, I mean, swap out both Kiss the Girl, which is maybe the fifth best song in yeah, Little Mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Under the Sea, which is maybe the third best
0: song in maybe. Little Mermaid. I was gonna say for- For part of your world and fight the power and then we're done well and i'll also say like as if we're talking about like the analytical analytics of the analyzate whatever the story itself fight the power is kind of integral to the to the story of the film so like if, if you're talking about how the song is integrated into the movie i think it's kind of even better than under the sea or kiss the girl. I th- Cause that song's kind of really important to the film.
2: And we've talked about it on the podcast uh, with our home alone episode, how the, yeah. the, the original song, at least in our opinion, or how we interpret it, interpret that award category. Like Chandler just said, should like aid the story or should like be integral to the plot, not just like background noise, or at least right. that's how I see it. Right. Uh, we, you also brought up the score, Chandler. I really like the score. The score's great. The score yeah, is fantastic.
0: The, the score is With, really, like, really good. With,
2: violins playing while they're talking about, like, race issues. I'm like, this is crazy and intense, and I love it.
0: It's so... Everything about this film, like, the direction and the cinematography and the score is so jarring in a very, like, confusing way. And it's yeah. kind of brilliant. I really love how... It's, like, dissonant. It, like, yes. isn't quite... No. Yes, yes, exactly. Like
2: it does.
0: Yeah, I don't know. and it feels almost like what I don't know. It, it, it's hard to sort of explain the 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 feeling this movie puts you in. And the Oscar goes to.
1: As uh, so this was nominated for only two uh, Academy Awards, uh, best original screenplay and best supporting actor. The nominees for best original screenplay are "When Harry Met Sally" by Nora Ephron, "Sex Lies in Videotape" by Steven Soderbergh, "Do the Right Thing" by Spike Lee, "Crimes and Misdemeanors" by Woody Allen, and "Dead Poets Society" by Thomas Schulman. Which wins? Now, okay, couple things. I like "Dead Poets Society." I don't know if what's sparkling about "Dead Poets Society" is the screenplay.
0: I mean, it's Didn't also fine.
2: Win best picture this year. No. What one?
1: Drive, driving Miss Daisy.
2: Oh, right, right. Sorry. Interesting. Yeah. Have I seen Dead Quote Society? It's been a while, if I have.
0: Um, I don't, yeah, and I, I, uh, yeah, it's just not. Gotcha. I, well, it's just frustrating because, like, I think the screenplay of this is really good. I think, all, like, and and considering that Spike Lee wrote, directed, produced, and starred in it, I you you think, you think that they would have they
2: would have shown him some love,
0: you know, thrown him a bone.
1: So this is this is my hot take. So uh, Spike Lee has only been nominated for Best Director, I believe, once uh, for Black Klansman. Most people assume he's going to get nominated again this year, but obviously, who knows? Uh, and he only has one. He has an honorary Oscar, and then he has one competitive Oscar, which is for best screenplay, also for Black Landsman. And my hot take is: I think Spike Lee is a good screenwriter, but a great director. Yeah. And so I think it's a little weird. Like, it's a little weird that he got nominated for writing this movie and not directing this movie, because to me, their directing is so much better than the
2: screenplay. Oh, absolutely, yeah, I think that's absolutely. What's rubbing me the the wrong way here, because I'm like, the screenplay is good, but. I don't know if I would, like, award it. I don't know, but, like, I don't remember Dead Poets Society enough to, like, argue for that.
0: It definitely deserves the nom, though. You just said
2: it perfectly, Ezra, is that just the direction is so much stronger. He should have been recognized for that versus the screenplay.
0: Yes.
1: I mean... I I would say that if I... if I was going to say who should win this category, I'd give it to Nora Ephron for when Harry Met Sally, I which I think agree. is one of I the, the all-time great
0: screenplays. I've never Damn seen good
2: it. Damn, Damn, good movie. Damn good movie. Incredible.
1: Great movie.
0: Um. <laughs> well, Lody no, Ranger's but
2: favorite movie. Watched it freshman year of college. Fun fact.
0: I've never seen it. Um.
1: Well, and I think okay. that's it's the movie that made rom-coms jammer.
0: I know. I've just never seen it. Um. I think. I, well, and I think the screenplay certainly deserves the nom. But yeah, I I think absolutely you should have given him. The directing I also think the screenplay should have won or this movie should have won uh, an Oscar for cinematography, but what do I know
2: what, did, what were the nominations for cinematography?
1: Dun, dun,
0: dun, 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 dun. I also while I was looking for that would like to point out that driving Miss Daisy is written and directed by white men and is about a uh, a, a, a black man taking care of the, the white rich woman so
1: uh very interesting and i believe this is our trivia question for the week so here's the answer but famously a uh, spike league lost uh, his two big sort of oscar plays which were do the right thing and black Klansman*, both lost to what a lot of people call the same movie which is driving miss daisy in green book <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh and so when it happened, when Green Book won, a lot of people were like, "Oh fuck, it happened to Spike again." And Spike Lee, who was in a full-on purple suit, walked out of the Oscars uh, in protest of Green Book winning, and then was interviewed by. And it is an incredible interview, uh, and it's like this, this is a British interview, and he's like, "So, uh, Mr. Lee, we saw that you walked out of the uh, ceremony when Green Book won. What do you think about Green Book?" And Spike Lee does a terrible English accent and says,
0: "It was my cup of tea." <laughs>
1: Not my cup of tea! You know what? As you Brits say, it wasn't my cup of tea! And then begins laughing hysterically and walks away.
0: I love it. Respect. Yikes. That's so funny.
1: Uh, The the nominees for cinematography were the fabulous Baker Boys, born on the 4th of July, Blaze, the Abyss, and Glory, which.
0: Boo. Uh,
2: But Glory's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but nominate freaking do the right thing.
2: The cinematography
1: in this is so good. A nomination. All right, and Best Supporting Actor. Uh, da, 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 best Supporting Actor. Is the man who White
0: played Prince. the mayor who
1: wins. The nominees are Martin Landau for Crimes and Misdemeanors by Woody Allen. Marlon Brando for everyone's favorite Marlon Brando film, A Dry White Season. Let's all just go around the table and share our favorite line <laughs> from Marlon Brando's A Dry White Season. <laughs> I channel you first.
0: Man, this is a really dry, white season, huh?
1: Okay, Claudia, <laughs> your favorite
2: line? Oh, um... Wow, I'm looking out my window at this dry, white season. Ezra? Uh, and,
1: and, Ezra? and my personal favorite is, Go fuck yourself. This is a dry, fucking white season. It's from the climax. Oh, right. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> I forgot Dan, about that part. <laughs> um, Dan Aykroyd for Driving Miss Daisy. Danny Aiello... For do the right thing and Denzel Washington for glory. Who wins?
2: Correct.
1: <laughs> sure, but I'm fine with that.
0: Could we not have? Yeah. Could we not have nominated the mayor guy?
1: I mean, but Chandler they're over it. Barth Brando in the dry white season. <laughs> How could
0: take you take Dan Ackroyd out or whatever? I don't care. I
1: mean, Dan Ackroyd does need to go. He's not very good in that movie. <laughs>
0: no, <laughs> like whatever.
1: Oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Who, what's the? Dr- do you know what a dry white season's about?
0: Oh, no Lord. I don't... Do I want to know? South
1: African apartheid.
0: Oh, my God.
1: It is about white school teachers fighting apartheid in South Africa.
0: Wait. In what context? Like, what side are they on?
1: Well, they're anti-apartheid.
2: So, this uh, whole, in ep- in 19- this whole uh, year of the Oscars was just racist. Uh, in
1: 1976, in South Africa during apartheid, Donald Sutherland is a South African school teacher at a school for whites only. One day, the son of his gardener gets beaten by the white police after he gets caught by the police at a peaceful demonstration for better education policy for black people.
0: You know what, really, I think, is the, be- the saving grace <laughs> of. Uh, you know, is white saviorism. I really think we need to make I, more white saviorism that. movies. I really don't think we have enough movies about white people saving black people. Because that's really the true narrative of the world. I'm obviously being sarcastic, viewers. What is that? And we couldn't even, yes, we couldn't so have even were, thrown you to were, the right...
1: Don't worry, Chandler, was being sarcastic.
0: No, I'm... Fuck you. Uh... <laughs> can I can I can I wager a guess, Ezra, about this apartheid movie? Um, tell me if I'm wrong. Was it I don't directed by a white know man? Know anything
1: about it? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even need to look that up to know that's the case.
0: I want to. I I want the cat. Where's can you pull up uh, the directing list? Who was nominated for director this year?
1: So it's actually not a bad lineup.
0: Okay, but were they all white?
1: Yes,
0: of course. You couldn't have thrown... still are. Just for the... Just to pretend like you're not racist, Academy. You couldn't have not thrown... That's
2: what I said. Spike Lee, just a nom?
0: Just pretend like you're not racist? And just throw him the nom?
2: Don't you look at a list of all white men and think... What's wrong about this? Uh, should I, we not I nominate honestly,
0: the, totally agree. Should we not nominate the next big director, that- Spike Lee, who, who goes on to make some of some of the great American films? Should we not just throw him the nom this one time for his first film? Like nothing. Not at all. Is this his first I, mean, I, his first? I believe it is. No. Is it not? This is not his first directing film? No. What was the, the first film he directed? I don't know. Well then how do you know this isn't his first? Well,
1: Actually, know? no, I, I do know. Um it's She's Gotta Have It.
0: Never even heard of it.
1: Though, though especially, yes, so right. what is interesting, the best director lineup is Jim Sheridan for My Left Foot, who is this like, uh, which is like Daniel day Lewis's big okay. breakthrough. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, who is actually one of the for Henry V, is one of the first debut directors to ever get nominated. But it's Henry V, it starts the whole Shakespeare renaissance. Yep. Uh, Peter Weir for Dead Poets Society. I wouldn't nominate him, but I get it. Yep. Woody Allen for yep. Crimes and Misdemeanors, which a lot of people think is his best film. I don't agree, but I get it. And then Oliver Stone wins for Born on the Fourth of July, which again I don't necessarily agree. But like, um, th- these are the five people the Oscars were going to nominate in 1999.
0: Sure, like, but you know what I mean. Could we not have taken Woody Allen out? Were we not? Were, well, we could always take Woody Allen out. Aren't, Hopefully, were we not like, aware of, at the time that he was a monster? I'm pretty no. sure we were, right? No,
1: we were not. 1992 is when everything uh, breaks with Woody Allen.
0: 1992. All right. Well, whatever. And then we continue to go on and and nominate him for how many more Oscars after that?
1: I mean, yes, those are completely indefensible. I I mean,
2: can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show.
1: Claudia, what have you been watching? What
2: have I been watching? Uh, So my partner and I got out of quarantine just in time to be snowed in, which we love. Just kidding. We hate. So we've been watching some movies and the latest movie we watched was Pieces of a Woman on Netflix. Tough. I loved it.
1: Oh, really? I
2: loved it. I thought it was what Marriage Story was trying to be. I thought there was way more emotion, way more depth, way more story, way more character development. I cared so much more. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, even though I think we have to cancel him is incredible um the female actress is is Vanessa Kirby breathtaking um gives me Elizabeth Moss vibes without the uh Scientologist so I love that (laughs) um no I just overall really great film it drew me in it kept me in um I cried I liked it a lot
1: interesting it didn't click for me really kind of like it just felt like trauma porn to me with like Good performances, but I was like, okay, we get it. Shit's tough.
2: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. That's fair.
1: (laughs) Chandler, what have you been
0: watching? What have I been watching? Oh, I started Search Party. On HBO? Yes.
1: It is now. It wasn't original. Oh.
0: Um, it's really interesting. Like I'm only on the first couple of episodes, but it's 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 a, it's a fun little fun little gig. I, I recognize a lot of these little New York comedy actors. Um, it's really it's really kind of uh, super intriguing, and the the writing is is really good. Um, the way that it portrays like New York millennials is a little too real. <laughs> like the constant need to prove that you're doing something, and the constant need to prove that you're like you have value, or, like, oh, yeah. So I was working with, uh, it's like, uh, like, I, it's the most exhausting thing, if you've never talked to, like, a New York hipster, it's just, like, the constant need to sell yourself, like, baby, you don't need to sell yourself to me, I get it, you're all, we're all struggling, just relax, but it's interesting. Ezra, you were telling me something about that TV show, what was it, again? Um, I
1: think that in 15 years, we're going to look back on Search Party as the same way we look back on Freaks and Geeks, oh yeah about like how did we not give this every single i mean it's a masterpiece yeah yeah it's i think search party is one of the best tv shows currently being made wow
0: um but yeah it's 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 so it's it's really fun it's really good like the the what's the, the blonde gay guy what's his name john early yeah he is um just the worst and i know exactly that person in real life you know what i mean 100%.
1: 100%. He's the best. <laughs> Though I can never pronounce her name, but but the lead of the movie is... deserves four Emmys for the show. Really She's really good. So She's really, really good. Yeah. Um, I've been watching a lot. Um, I want to talk about three things specifically. Uh, the first is uh, Bonding Season 2 on Netflix. Um, not a lot of people, I don't think, watch the first season, but uh, the first season is about a uh, gay guy who uh, reconnects with his childhood best friend, who is a uh, dominatrix in New York City, and she hires him to be her assistant. Uh, the first season got really, I thought was, was fun and cute and kind of disposable, but got some really serious critiques from the kink community uh, for the <laughs> way it was being portrayed. Yes. Uh, and I yes. have never in my entire life seen a show or a piece of art take a note better than Bonding. Where the entirety of season two was about these two people were doing kink wrong. The way they were doing it was irresponsible. The whole show was irresponsible. And literally the whole premise of season two is the dominatrix, the dominatrix character has to go back to dominatrix school in order to learn how to do kink properly. What? And it's actually all about consent and not just about going off and like having your fun times. Yeah. I have never in my life seen someone take a no better. I was like. Like literally, the like they would. Oh, they came close to like reading the essays and criticizing it. Where they're like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Why is she always wearing leather? Like that's not what people are like. It's treating things things like a joke. And like that's the whole like the show echoes that criticism of itself. The entire season two was calling bullshit on season one. It's a masterpiece.
0: Wow, that's kind of cool. What do people think now?
1: Um, I don't know, but uh, all the episodes are less than twenty minutes long. So it's a really easy show to just, like, binge in and after. Oh, that's the best part about Search uh, Party.
0: Do
2: season one?
1: I, I would watch season one. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't think you have to, but I think it helps. Sure.
0: That's the best part about Search Party uh, is that it's 30-minute, 20-minute episodes, 30-minute episodes. Love that.
1: Um, and then, actually, sorry, and then uh, some other things that I'm actually going to shout out. Uh, Olivia and I uh, stumbled across a short film... Uh, on the Criterion channel, which everyone should get the Criterion channel, uh, that is an animated nine minute short called Santa the Fascist Years, that is about uh, Santa becoming pals with Mussolini and Hitler and using his reindeer to unleash uh, World War III on the Easter Bunny. Uh, It's very strange, it's worth a watch. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race UK is the best that show's been in years. It's so fucking good. Uh, But then the movie I want to talk about is a movie called Henry Gamble's Birthday Party, um, which I talked about this director Stephen Cohn's work on the show before, um, but Stephen Cohn purely makes movies that are personal attacks on me uh, and is the best depiction I've ever seen of a very specific type of Midwestern evangelical upper-middle-class Christian uh without ever making it a joke without ever making it a satire but is able to really show the fucked up ways these people view sex and sexuality and gender without it ever seeming like oh look at these dumb fucking hicks they believe in jesus (laughs) uh and henry and henry gamble's birthday party centers on uh henry gamble who is the son of the pastor and a closeted queer boy Um, it's unclear if he's straight or if he's bi sorry if he's gay or if he's bi um, but he's, he's closeted it and it's his birthday party and just all the varying things that are happening at the birthday party um, You with the with the parents, with the kids and then he has like his friends from drama club at school and then his friends from church youth group and the moment that I knew was directly attacked, attacking me was when the sort of de facto leader of the church youth group went up to one of the friends at school and said, so, are you churched up yet? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it took me back to my childhood like I had been punched in the face. So... <laughs> Uh, Henry Gamble's birthday party and Stephen Cohn's work in general, um, specifically that and Princess Sid, which is the best movie about bisexuality ever made. So, yeah.
0: Huh. you take in so much uh, film. So much content. So much content.
1: And I left off half the ones I've seen.
0: Damn. Crazy. Damn.
2: All right, my friends. So that's all we have for you today. Next week, even though he's going to hate me, In honor of Chandler's birthday, we're covering our third Lord of the Rings movie, Return of the King, not the extended version, unfortunately for Chandler for his birthday. That's all we have for you today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Give us a rating and review and follow us on Instagram at htbn.podcast for some Trivia Tuesday or Wednesday when I forget to post more exciting content, and you can wish Chandler a happy birthday. That's all we have for you today. Talk to you next week. Bye!